right, all right, all right. Day 157. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we're in um, <clears throat> the first day of Second Chronicles, right? So remember, uh, First and Second Chronicles used to be one big, large book but it was actually separated a few years ago however so the narrative is continued from first to second chronicles so remember first chronicles 9 to second chronicles 9 right we're in this like kind of middle section of the two books and what the author is trying to show us is this ideal kingdom under david and Solomon. So again, he's going to leave out their turnovers. He's going to leave out their mistakes. He's going to leave out some of their sins. So Chronicles, yeah, like I said, was this big book. And two Chronicles, one starts off with Solomon being enthroned. Remember last time we talked about the instructions David gave to Solomon, and now he's actually being enthroned. And there's three W's you're going to see in the first chapter, right? That speak of Solomon's worship, Solomon's wisdom, Solomon's wealth, worship, wisdom, wealth. Solomon's reign starts off well, right? He is seeking the Lord. He is worshiping at the tent of meeting that was constructed by Moses. And God, listen, and God comes to him and asks him basically, what you want? (laughs) What you want? What do you want me to do for you? And I imagine that many of us would uh, love for the Lord to come to us and ask that question. But um, he comes to Solomon and, and Solomon asks for wisdom. He asks for wisdom and knowledge, right? And, you know, it's amazing because when it comes to God, one of the best ways to know what we think of him is by what we ask of him, right? One of the best ways to know what we think of him is by what we ask of him, right? So Solomon knows that God has this uh, covenant love, this faithful love, and he is fulfilling his covenant promises by putting Solomon on the throne. And this is the kind of God he can ask for wisdom. Why? Because these are his people, These are his people he promised to establish. So you know what God does. He over delivers on his promise. He he gives him more than he even asked for. Right. He blesses Solomon with so much wealth that they say his it was gold was as common as stones. Gold was as common as stones. And I wish I had time to talk about, but I don't. (laughs) Um, The way that sin uh, over promises and under delivers. In the way that God promises and over delivers, right? Um, the text starts off and highlights the seeking of God by Solomon because this was the most important task of this post-exilic community that it came out of exile. Now, in the second chapter, Solomon is going to reach out to an old friend of his pops, right? For the help of the temple. His name is Hiram. So essentially what you have is this foreigner king, Hiram, assisting Solomon in building the temple. Now, remember, worship was a main concern of this community, one of the main priorities that they had. So chapter two is going to speak of the preparations, right? And so Solomon is going to write this letter to Hiram, right? And um, uh, asking for help and for the materials to carry this task out and so um the function of the temple right uh in the worship of the god of israel was so important and it was this duty that was still resting on this community that have come back from exile and again um what's amazing in this letter you'll see the humility of solomon and the theology of solomon right so you'll see what he believes about god and also um his posture 
before God, right? And the and the thing that he's going to bring out in this in this letter is that um God is transcendent, right? And that word just means that God is above and completely distinct and beyond from uh, uh, all reality, everything that exists. He is outside of and above everything, right? He transcends everything in the universe, right? He is this big, magnificent God that is actually incomprehensible, but it's actually made himself known. So he's like, yo, like, even though we're making this temple, like it's for this transcendent God who can't be put in a box right and so um the thing that's interesting is uh the significance right of the temple is the thing that um the writer of chronicles not just the temple structure itself it actually points to something beyond itself right so he's trying to impress that on the hearts and minds of this community so you know the presentation burnt offerings every morning and evening on the sabbaths the new moons the feasts all these things the bread the the, the fragrant incense all these things that went on uh, in the temple pointed to uh, the significance of the temple and i love what he says he says who am i then that i should build a temple for him except as a place to burn incense before him pride doesn't say uh pride says why not me but humility says, who am I, right? Um, the ideal king in Israel, check this, is a wise temple builder, but he's also a humble one, right? He's also this humble king uh, who leads uh, with humility. And so Hiram agrees to send the necessary materials and the language he uses is miraculous. He, you have a foreigner here blessing God. It says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel who made the heavens and the earth. Remember, God saved his people, Israel, so that they could be a blessing to the nations and the nations could come to the one true God of the universe. Two Chronicles three. I love two Chronicles three. I love how it starts. Re, uh, first one, verse one says this. Then Solomon began to build the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. Check this on Mount Moriah. Anytime you come to a passage in the Bible, remember, ask yourself, where have I seen this before on Mount Moriah? Check this where the Lord had appeared to his father, David, at the site David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebu site. This place <clears throat> where Solomon is going to construct the temple has um, a, a, a infinite <laughs> a uh, miraculous amount of significance in the Bible. Now, remember, Mount Moriah is not just where David built this threshing floor after he committed the sin of the census to provide a sacrifice to atone for the sin. It is the same place where Abraham took Isaac. And the Lord asked him to sacrifice and the, he put a lamb in a thicket as a substitute. So you see that this place has this uh, what we would call a redemptive historical significance. Right. It is not just a random place uh, where the temple is constructed. It is actually the place where the Lord reveals himself and where the Lord, listen, uh, accepts sacrifices to atone and cover and forgive sin and then thousands of years later uh or a few hundred years later actually uh you have the lord jesus coming to this same place and dying for the sins of the world right and it's so amazing uh, how the text uh just tells the story uh in a way to highlight certain things about the lord and what he's doing in history uh, from there it goes to the most holy place and this was a place yeah 
<laughs> actually, this is continuing this theme, like that was entered once a year on the Day of Atonement, Leviticus chapter 16, by the great high priest to make atonement for the people of Israel. It would be fitting uh, to say more than anything else that this was the reason why the temple was made. This was the place where God was thought to dwell among the people in the most holy place. You have the, the, the most holy place, the holy place in the outer court. You have this three structured tier uh, of the actual temple. And it was the most important region uh, because, again, it was it was where the presence of God dwelt. And this was the main concern of this community. Right. The presence of God among the people of God. And so they needed to be reminded of that exact same truth. And we need to be as well. Right. Like the most important thing for God's people is that his presence is with us so we can do what he's called us to. Chapter four. In chapter four, we have the continuing of what happens in chapter three before it spoke more about the structure of the building. But here the focus uh, is here on the uh, furnishing and the equipment. So verse seven says this. He made the 10 gold lampstands according to their specifications and put them in the sanctuary, five on the right and five on the left. In contrast to the tabernacle, the tabernacle was built by Moses, Exodus generation. Remember the whole nine. Right. And they had one gold lampstand and a table. <laughs> this one has 10. So this structure, this temple is much more uh, uh, lasting. It is much more firm. It is much more elaborate and it is much greater than the former tabernacle where the Lord was thought to dwell, to dwell among his people. So it's a much more grand reality. And it's not just again, it's not just um, this temple that was being built. It was what it pointed to. So. Uh, what's interesting is that when you read places like Ezra Nehemiah, right, which 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 highlights some of these same events or it, it doesn't highlight the same events, excuse me. It, it highlights the post-exile community that this writer is writing to. And um, you see that many of the vessels that have been taken from the temple when it was destroyed were brought back and returned in the second temple. And so um, this this house, this house of God, why am I saying all this? Um, it shows something about God, right? It, it shows that he was this chief treasure and possession because of the way the the temple is spoken of uh is so elaborate and sophisticated and this community needed to know check this the worth and majesty of the god they served this wasn't anybody dwelling among them this was the king of the universe and that truth just being reminded that the king of the universe dwells with us should inspire and invoke worship for them but it should do the same thing for us let's pray father we pray that we would be worshipers today of spirit and truth because of your presence with us god i pray that today we will worship you not at a temple but because of the end time temple you've given us in the lord jesus we pray this in your son name. amen